Hey, we're all looking to save, especially on medical bills, but where do you start? Now, unless you're a medical billing expert, finding savings, well, it can seem impossible. HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance and they flag errors like overbilling or wrong codes and fraud. And you can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. Now, saving starts with knowing where to look. Go to their website. It's HealthLock.com today before you see any other healthcare provider. Pure Talk, my sponsor and my wireless company, of now providing international roaming to over 50 countries. Now, as you plan your summer travel, make sure that your wireless company covers you at home and abroad. Now, you can get unlimited talk and text, plenty of 5G data for just 20 bucks a month. That's less than half the price of Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile for the exact same service. Just go to puretalk.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N, make the switch today. Save an additional 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N. Hey, Sean Hannity here. If you're in a situation where you feel threatened, well, instinct, that might drive you to reach for a lethal means immediately. but We all want to avoid the irreversible consequences of using deadly force. Now, enter the Burner Less Lethal Pistol Launcher. It is equipped with tear gas and kinetic ammo. It can incapacitate any attacker for up to 40 minutes. It's legal in all 50 states. It requires no background checks, and it can be shipped right to your door. Go to their website, byrna.com slash Hannity right now, and you'll get 10% off. Let not your heart be troubled. You are listening to the Sean Hannity Radio Show Podcast. Hey, guys, you know how much I love Tommy John's underwear, undershirts, and their socks. They are the best. Yet, you know what? We're getting a lot of feedback from Hannity listeners, too. And guess what? Tommy John sent me a few testimonials from real live Sean Hannity Show listeners. So I'm going to share them with you. Dave says, I can't believe I'm saying this, but they have actually changed my life. Mark says, great materials, great fit, a great example of how doing something very basic very well can make a surprisingly positive impact on the quality of life and gary says my grumpy stepfather actually thanked me for the gift of tommy johns that's a first in the 40 years i've known him louise says my husband is walking bending and lifting all day this is the first pair of underwear that doesn't roll down and ride up he loves them now you've heard the reviews what are you waiting for you have nothing to lose with tommy john it's the best pair you'll ever wear it's free guarantee just go to tommyjohn.com slash hannity you get 20% off your first order. TommyJohn.com slash Hannity, 20% off. All right, glad you're with us. 800-941-SEAN, toll-free telephone number. You want to be a part of this extravaganza. Three big stories we are following today. Obviously, there's still a ton coming out on Harvey Weinstein. Well, the worst part is everybody knew. Everybody knew. And by the way, now Hollywood, we're going, you know, I actually had this conversation with somebody. We're thinking back about all the different movies that over the years have sexualized young, young women. Somebody brought up the movie, what's the name of that? American Beauty. And it's, who plays the, the lead role in that? Yeah, no, no, no. What's the guy's Kevin name? Spacey Kevin Spacey and Safari. Right. And I like Kevin Spacey when he plays the president, whatever. He's an actor. But it's really a creepy. I remember seeing it at the time thinking it was creepy. Because he's like this guy that's married to his wife, and they don't get along. And he's going through smoking pot and, and hanging out with kids. And his daughter is dating this weirdo that lives next door. And the daughter has a cute girlfriend. And he's like, you know wants to have sex with the daughter, and then they have those scenes. And it's really creepy. 
It's just there's so many different creepy, you know, scenes. Uh, I'll give you an example. Mr. Oh, I'm so feigning outrage over health care. And everybody wishes Jimmy Kimmel's child is healthy. You would think, well, if you listen to him, well, then why are you taking away my Obamacare? And then he gets ratings and then he starts going after guns or whatever else he's doing. Uh, all right, you know, Jimmy Kimmel, let's go play a little Jimmy Kimmel bit. It didn't seem too outraged over Harvey Weinstein. I've stuffed something in my pants, and you're allowed to feel around on the outside of the pants. You have 10 seconds to then guess what is in my pants. You should use two hands. Two hands. Before, haven't you? Maybe it would be easier if you put your mouth on it. How old are you? 18. Okay, good. You sure of that? <laughs> Because uh, Uncle Jimmy doesn't need to do time. <laughs> you're going to make a fine wife. I think I wore the rubber underpants. And your guess is? Vibrator. A vibrator? No, it is actually a zucchini with a rubber band on it. But you can use it as a vibrator if you want. Look. This is a good game. This is a good game. Now, here's the thing, and I'm not a prude, and I don't care what people watch, and so on and so forth. That's not my point. What Harvey Weinstein is, he is wrapped tight around the Democratic Party. Here's where it gets sinister, though. Here's where the hypocrisy comes into play. Is liberal, if you're a liberal, you'll accept and ignore Juanita Broderick, Kathleen Willey, Paula Jones, Jennifer Flowers, and the multitude of other women. Didn't matter if it's grabbing, groping, touching, fondling, uh, kissing against one's will. You just forget it because, after all, they're the Clintons, and the Clintons, they're on the right side of abortion rights and gay rights and women's rights. But are they? And, you know, you'll accept that Hillary's running, and you'll forget she takes all of these millions and millions of dollars from countries that practice Sharia. Yeah, you know, where women can't drive. Women are told how to dress. Uh, women can't leave the house without a male's permission. They can't travel abroad. Uh, women can be beaten. Marital rape in some of these countries is not a crime. Uh, they're the big champions of gay and lesbian rights. Uh, it's been Sean Hannity that's speaking out against Sharia so people... Uh, can live their own lives and not get thrown off buildings. And I've said this for how many years, Linda, and get killed. And and I've always wondered, all right, maybe we disagree on gay marriage. Who cares? Go live your life. I'm a libertarian. I've said it for years and years and years. I didn't hear Hillary's taking money from countries that treat women, gays, lesbians, Christians, and Jews atrociously, you know, it's it's pretty amazing to me that that got through and nobody in the media. It's it's this whole list and litany of people that start talking. Hillary takes money. Hillary Pack takes money. Obama victory fund. The Obamas and, and Hillary, the Clintons, you know, three sentences from Hillary it took five days to get a sentence out of her. You know, if it was a conservative or or pastor or somebody that wants to be a Christian, then they would have been excoriated by these late night comics and others because maybe they're a Christian, but they're not perfect because the idea is to become a better person. But no, you've got to be perfect in the world of liberalism. But your whole series of sins get you know forgiven as long as you have the right political agenda and you hate Republicans. I mean, every top Democrat has taken money in this particular case. You know, I think there's a lot of enablers in all of this. And what else did we discover? 
we discovered NBC had the story and spiked the story. And the same with the New York Times. And, you know, I, I've got to say this, and I'm, I'm very cautious to do this because I think it's very tough if a woman is put under those, these horrible conditions. But you can't say that if you were one of the richest Hollywood actresses and had financial security and you knew this guy this was a creep like this and abused people like this, that you didn't have the power to speak out. You did. You chose not to. Now that it's out, you see all these A-listers. Oh, that happened to me, too. That happened to me, too. Did you think at any point that maybe, you know, this casting couch phenomenon that has gone on in modeling and in Hollywood for all these years that you could have stepped up and maybe saved some girl from being traumatized or worse? Because it gets worse. You know, you've got young kids and they don't have a lot of life experience and they have big dreams, big lights, big city, and they want to be a model and they want to be an actor or an actress. And they go out there and then all of a sudden, well, you know, let's go out to dinner. Let's get a massage. Let's go in the the, the hot tub or what do you call that stupid thing that spins a jacuzzi and let's put bubbles in here and we'll have ourselves, some, you know, a little champagne and a good time. That's why it was so disgusting. You want to know what Hollywood real values are? Just go back when Roman Polanski. This is a guy that raped a 13-year-old girl, and he gave her champagne. In Jack Nicholson's house, he wasn't there at the time, and Quaaludes, which is a sedative. And then he raped her. He raped her anally, orally, and, and vaginally. Okay, then he's been living off in Europe and you have all these people when there was a point and he was arrested in Switzerland at some some movie event. And Harvey Weinstein and all these top Hollywood people. Oh, oh you got to let Mr. Polanski go free. He's a child rapist. Why would you? And then when he won an Oscar in 2011, you know, you have a minute's worth of applause for this creep. And the Oscar goes to Roman Polanski for the pianist. Okay, he gets Roman Polanski. What if it was your 13-year-old daughter that was, you know, given champagne and quaaludes and raped? I don't think I'd be too happy. I don't think I'd be giving such a guy an applause. I don't think I'd be saying this guy has a right to live abroad. By the way, is anyone going to pay attention when Harvey goes to get his sex addiction treatment and his abuse of people treatment? And by the way, sex clinics have to be the dumbest thing I've ever heard. You know, they have, what do you have, group therapy sessions? Okay, everybody in the room has a sex problem. What, are you going to put men and women together in a, in a circle to talk about their escapades? What do you think's going to happen during the breaks? What do you think's going to happen late at night when the nurses are asleep at the desk? That never made sense to me. Well, Hannity, they separate the men and women. Okay, they'll find a way to get together. You know, women are on one side of the compound and the men are on the other side of the compound. They'll figure out a way to get together. I'm pretty confident of that. You know, so where are we sending Weinstein off to get therapy for? Slick Willie. They're going to get individual treatment. There's so much more to this story that is going to be coming out. 
you just you you don't want to miss what we're going to be doing on Monday. Tick tock, tick tock. You don't want to miss what we're going to be doing on Monday. For all my Twitter followers, you understand I've never ever let you down. Tick tock. It's coming and it's going to be huge. That's all I can say. But there's a massive double standard, massive hypocrisy here. Massive. You know, anytime a conservative, even an accusation against a conservative, you know, it, it doesn't matter. It's unbelievable the things that are said about conservatives, and they run with it. In this case, we know it's true because the creep admits he's a creep. So there's no ambiguity in this case. And the silence has been deafening. Now, let me go to what we know about what's happening with, with NBC News. They actually have a long history at NBC News of deep-sixing scandals, sex scandals of Democrats. You know, there was an, an interesting moment. I don't know this guy Ronan Farrow. I guess it's Mia Farrow's son and Woody Allen's son. Woody's another creep, and to his credit, he's, you know, he's distanced himself from his creepy father. It's not his fault his father's a creep, and, and he stood up for his sister who apparently might have had something happen. I don't know the whole story. I don't follow this crap because it just is horrible. Anyway... So he's on NBC the other night, and he insisted the story was reportable. He gave it to NBC News. NBC News spiked it. The New York Times, a woman, says she had the story, and the New York Times spiked the story. And in the case of NBC News, it's not the first time they killed a report. In this particular case, now Weinstein's being accused of a rape allegation, three of them, in, in fact, but you remember that Lisa Myers went and interviewed Juanita Broderick. She had the first interview with Juanita. I had the second interview with Juanita Broderick. And Juanita was one of the most believable people I've ever known. And that's why this this love of Hollywood, of the Clintons, is just so inconsistent with what they say that their values are. Anyway, the timing was cru- crucial in the case of Lisa Myers' interview. It was r- the height of the Monica Lewinsky scandal. The House had just impeached Clinton. The Senate trial hadn't happened yet. Rumors about Broderick's account were running rampant. Democrats feared the story would, would blow up the Clinton defense strategy that Monica Lin- Lewinsky, uh, Lewinsky was bad and it wasn't criminal and it was just about sex. And then in comes Juanita Broderick, and then they killed the story. They were spiking the interview. Finally, Juanita Broderick asked Lisa Myers what's going on. Then Myers broke the news to her. She said, the good news is you're credible. And she says, the bad news is you're too credible. And NBC News didn't want to run it because it was a Democrat. It just It's so disgusting and so despicable what goes on there. You know, Hillary left a major loophole, by the way, yesterday in her pledge to return Weinstein's money. You know, 10 percent, she says she always gives to charity. Okay, what does that mean? I gave I give ten percent of my income to charity every year. This will be part of that. Yeah, well, well, that doesn't mean you're giving all the money back. And then the Democrats' pathetic attempt to you know try and tie this to Trump. Well, let's 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 talk about Russia. <laughs> let's talk about you know what happened with Access Hollywood. Really? How about we talk about your hypocrisy for once? Let's stay on that. Where do you hear my monologue tonight? I'm, I am going to be firing on all cylinders, I promise you. All right, 800-941-SEAN is our toll-free telephone number. You want to be a part of the program. 
Well, the president did something today on health care that I think is going to have a major impact if it's if we're able to sustain what is predictably going to happen. And that is they're going to go judge shopping, probably somewhere in San Francisco, Oakland, that area where the Ninth Circuit has some jurisdiction. Then they're going to get a liberal judge. They'll get the liberal judge to say, oh, what the president did is, is not constitutional. And then the Ninth Circuit, who gets overturned, I guess, somewhere around the 80 percent of the time uh, rating, then they're going to weigh in. And then after that, hopefully the Supreme Court will weigh in and it's going to be basically it will allow it'll allow you to join a cooperative. It'll allow you to join an association. For example, everybody that works in restaurants, it's already law and a lot of big corporations already do this. They're able to because they have businesses in different states, Ohio, New York, uh, Texas, California. They're able to buy their insurance for their employees at one state and then apply it to all their employees across state lines. Now, all this is going to do is allow you, if you, let's say you work in the restaurant business, what, 20 million Americans work in the restaurant business, why can't they form an association, go out there and buy their own insurance, and it doesn't matter what the ACA mandates are, meaning the Obamacare mandates are, it doesn't matter whatever the state mandates are, that you will be able to get your insurance because legally it is the law and has been the law since 1974. And now the president is expanding so that anybody that's a part of a group or association would be able to do such. And that includes, well, offering variations on different plans. Maybe some plans are just a catastrophic plan. Maybe some plans, you know, facilitate the the groups like we have in Wichita, Atlas MD, the cooperatives where you pay an X amount a month and you couple it with a catastrophic plan. And then, God forbid, something really bad happens, you're covered. But your day-to-day care is is taken care of at a low price with access to your doctor 24-7. Or maybe also, let's say everybody that works in radio, Sean Hannity, will go negotiate with Aetna, United, and Blue Cross Blue Shield. And it doesn't matter what you do in radio, or whether you work in sales, management, engineering, whether you're a producer or a host, I'll go negotiate for every radio personality in the country, everyone that works in radio. And we'd be able to then, with our buying power, get a low rate, more options, better plans, better insurance. This is like, well, it's all because the Senate sucks and Mitch McConnell can't get a darn thing done. Rand Paul will weigh in on it. All right, 25 till the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. The president's economic plan, to me, is one that it's not, it's not perfect, but it seems as close to Reagan-esque, Kennedy-esque as we're going to get. There's a great piece. I think Larry Kudlow, was it in yesterday's Wall Street Journal? We've had him on so many times. He's wrote the, written this book. And if you want to know about the Kennedy tax cuts and the Reagan tax cuts, and, and I'll use the case of Reagan because I was only young and born in 1961. I know it much better, but I've only studied the Kennedy years. But Reagan dropped the top marginal rates from 70 to 28%. And got us out of a very deep recession. Remember, when he took over the economy, interest rates were double digit. Unemployment, 21.5%. I mean, inflation just off the hook, out of control. You know, people were saying at the time they didn't think the government was even governable by one president at that time. And lo and behold, after eight years, lowering the top marginal rate, 70 to 28%, well, we 
literally created 21 million new jobs. We doubled revenues to the federal government. And it was the longest period of peacetime economic growth to that point in, our, in modern history. The same thing is going to work here. And this is what the president said. He's, he said it's really eight brackets to four, seven to three, which was part of his campaign promise. Um, he is going to allow, and it's going to be for working class, middle class tax cuts, which are key to all of this. Because the middle class, the people, look, if 70% of Americans pay, if 10% of Americans pay 70% of the bill, you have redistribution. When the bottom 50% of Americans pay no federal income tax, okay, they're not paying. You're going to be able to make $24,000 a year as a couple and not pay a penny in federal income tax. You're not being taxed at that point because you're not, and I'll tell you why, you're not making enough money to be taxed and you shouldn't be taxed and nobody's saying you should be taxed. But the people in the middle, the, the couples that are making 50, 60, 70 to say $250,000 a year, well, they're bearing a big cost in the brunt because that's, that is a, the average person. That's the middle class in America. Now, then when you add their state taxes and federal taxes and FICA taxes and then sales taxes and taxes because you breathe and every other tax that they want to put on you. And then, by the way, if you save a few bucks and you die, then they want to tax you again and steal half of it after that. Anyway, so it's going to bring, as the president was saying last night, it's going to be the biggest tax cut in American history. Here's the if, if Congress can get it done. You know, what he was able to do today to eliminate the Obamacare insurance rules, and and in many ways it's undermining the whole premise of Obamacare. In many ways, you know, it is the biggest step to keeping his promise, and that is his directive to allow people to form associations, cooperatives, and, and buy across state lines. This is massive. And this deals with the 74 law, and it's actually legal, and, and corporations that have have health insurance, have, have offices in individual states. They can get the same. They can already buy across state lines. They already can do that, which we've been saying we all, all ought to be able to do. Now, all you really have to do is form a good association. I'd say everybody that works in restaurants will start there. Anyone that works in manufacturing will start there. Anyone that works in any one industry that is in all 50 states, let's pick radio and TV. And I'm talking about, you know, everybody from the receptionist straight on through the engineers to the producers to the end, you know, everybody, salespeople, on-air talent, everybody ought to get the same plan. Now, if you negotiate as a group like that and you form an association and you can buy the plan in any state and it would apply to people in all these different states, then you literally wash away and push away all individual state laws on health care and the burdensome mandatory regulations of Obamacare, and you're going to, just by virtue of the fact you're doing that, drop the prices immediately. Then the prices are going to be dropped infinitely further because you're buying as a big group now, not the individual mandate or the employer mandate. So you won't be forced into a cooperative with one of one choice that you have in your state or your county. This is a big deal what the president did here. And the only reason he had to do it is because Congress sucks and they couldn't do their job. Anyway, so it is now a huge boost to health care cooperatives that will have the opportunity. It's not going to be able to be implemented immediately because you have different cabinet agencies that have to develop and implement the rules involved in this. That could take some time, and but it's it's the process now beginning that 
hey, we can really lower people's premiums, give them better care, better choices, better options, and allow the free market to kick in. So I think anybody that works in any industry, you better be thinking about picking one person to be your lead and picking out what health care you have for your association. And that means you'll be able to do it in fairly short order. Why do I think that it's going to end up being me? I, I just feel I can feel it. because Nobody else is going to want to do this. I would want everybody that works in any aspect of radio and television to have the right to buy a plan. Could you imagine the buying power and you buy the plan in Mississippi or Alabama and you get a, a company that can provide and then you get options. OK, for young people that are, you know, 22 to 35, they only want a catastrophic plan. Then they can find a health doctor cooperative like Dr. Rumber in, in Wichita, have unlimited care for when they stub their toe or they need a flu shot or they need a checkup once a year, but they're generally healthy. But the catastrophic insurance, relatively inexpensive based on what your deductible is, then you're able to you know have insurance if the God forbid thing happens, heart attack, cancer, bad accident, then everybody's better off. It's called a solution to a big problem, health care. And while your premiums have gone up $8,000, imagine if your premiums would go down $5,000 and you'd have a better choice of care. I mean, it's all this is so stupidly easy on the one hand, and they make it so complicated on the other hand. Um, so anyway, so that would be what the president did here is no small deal. The president talked at length about the repatriation money that's brought back, the corporate tax. Now, why do we want multinationals to that are parked? Why, why are multinationals parking their money overseas? Why are they parking them in, in what we call tax havens? You know, Belize, you keep hearing about Belize. Did anyone ever hear of Belize, you know, or any of these, these small, you know, Nevis, St. Kitts? I know people that have gotten dual citizenship in these countries. You know why? To put their money there. You know why? Because it makes sense. I know people that have dual citizenship with Ireland for that reason. And it's all because the government, through their, through their burdensome regulation, their high confiscatory taxation, are forcing people to find creative legal ways to save more money. So the reason multinationals have trillions of dollars parked in other countries where they're not going to build there is for a very simple reason. Because they can't build there. They're not going to have the workforce, the ability to get the job. In America, we can get the job done. So you allow them to bring this money back, trillions of dollars. You tax it at a low rate. The president said somewhere around 10%. And all that money, they're not going to put it in a bank account. They're not stupid. These are companies. They are. They have a fiduciary responsibility to make money for their shareholders and, and everybody else that invests in them. And so they're going to end up building factories and manufacturing centers. All right, what does that mean? That means the building trades are going to be doing great. That means people that need factory jobs are going to be doing great. Those that work in manufacturing centers are going to be doing great. And if they really build big businesses, well, they're going to be hiring millions of people. And then we brought up the issue of energy and all the millions of energy jobs are out there once America's committed, which this president seemed to be last night and all throughout the campaign because he opened up Anwar finally. And now he's lessened the burdensome rules in coal and and fracking. The people in Pennsylvania, literally, they're putting pipes in the ground and they're robbing New York gas. They're just smart. And New York has could create upstate New York is literally in an economic depression. And New York is so stupid. Their neighboring state, Pennsylvania, they literally are taking all of that natural gas and they've created thousands and thousands of high paying career jobs for people. 
and they could do it in New York and revitalize all of upstate New York. I've gone up there. My kids play tennis tournaments like ghost towns in, in parts of upstate New York. It's horrible. And it's all unnecessary. It's all because of big government. Anyway, we talked, the president talked a lot about the, uh, the NFL. We talked a lot about the economy. We talked about this new health care deal. He talked about, you know, he's going to decertify at least the Iranian deal. He may pull out of it altogether. He wouldn't give the answer. He wouldn't give an answer specifically what he would do with North Korea. Uh, I asked him about his cryptic message that he had, which is the calm before the storm that scared the crap out of everybody in media. It's just like everybody in the media is all freaked out now because he said, well, fake news, maybe we should look at their licenses. Now, I think he really means it. No, he's totally messing with their heads. That's my take on it. And, you know, fake Jake Tapper holds up the Constitution for the first fake Jake. Poor the poor guy is so desperate. His ratings are so bad. He's had such little success that fake Jake is out there every day now. He's trying to he reminds me of a local talk show host. Let me tell you what it was, what it's like. If And whenever I've driven around the country, I'll find any talk station. And when you get to these really small markets and they got that one local guy and then a bunch of syndicated hosts surrounding him. And I'm not being critical because I was this guy. I, I know what it's like to do a show on a Saturday for three hours and there's no phone calls. It actually made me a better host because now I can talk forever. And, you know, when I got to the end of the third hour on, on the 4th of July and they didn't have many commercials that day, basically three straight hours, me talk, I was doing movie reviews of movies I hadn't seen because I had nothing left in the tank and nothing of importance to, to say. And research wasn't like it is today. I mean, I had two local papers. I'd go by the national papers and anything that I can think of in my head that might be a good point. Anyway, but you listen to this talk show host, and they, what they do is they'd start out to do their opening monologue and, you know, different levels of professionalism, let's put it that way. Some are very good. Some are need work, and they're just starting out. Nobody's good when you start in this business. Everyone thinks it's easy. It's not. It's harder than most people think. Anyway, so then they'll say something just, and if you disagree with me, here's the phone number. And then you can tell then he kind of is running out of things to say on that topic, but he really wants phone calls. And then he just gets a little bit more incendiary. And then he's still not getting any calls. Then he gets a little more incendiary. And then he's re- and by the end of it, he's screaming like a maniac until finally people notice him. Now, it's not the ideal way to do a show. I'm just I'm using this as an example. You know, all of these people have nothing to say. They get no attention They've been proven to be liars. The people have no faith or trust because you can't fake it every day. I can promise you this. I'm on the air four hours a day. I can't fake it. I am who I am. I couldn't be. Um, When we come back. uh, uh, By the way, this is Alec Baldwin. Great. uh, We take some calls, Ivan. Whenever we want. Do we we, we have calls that are on there now? No calls calls? yet. No calls yet. No calls yet. What number do people call to get on the air? Do we have that number? It's right there. Do I have the call number in front of me? Oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, That's interesting. Interesting. At uh, uh, 1210 at PHT. Of course, any other questions you have, any other comments you have, call us um, to the... uh, what else? Uh, call us, please, at uh, 215-1210. Now, um, if you don't call, we're going to keep reading from the Scientology manual. <laughs> you might not feel it. You might not feel the energy right now. You might not feel uh, the swell of what's happening here. <laughs> Do we have any calls yet there, Ivan? 
No calls. Let's read some more about Scientology. Is Sean Hannity a Scientologist? Alec Baldwin posing the big questions tonight here. Uh, do we have any calls here yet, Ivan? None. Boy, it's just incredible. Unbelievable. Well, you leave us no choice, listeners. That is a accurate tape. That happened. That was Alec Baldwin without a script. That was Alec Baldwin trying to be a talk show host. It was almost a caricature. Remember years ago, Rush did this thing, the Tom Daschle show? I remember hearing it for the first time. I'm crying. And then Alec actually did the Tom Daschle show. Uh, uh, that's interesting. 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 Any calls yet, Ivan? Oh, yeah. yeah. Now, I, I'm only playing that because some of you might be thinking, oh, you're just making this up. I'm telling you, I know how these, these hosts' minds work. I come in with enough material to do 10 straight hours every day. My frustration every day is I don't get in what I want to get in. These guys don't want to work that hard because there is a way to do a great show every day with all the news that's out there. You don't have to get that incendiary to get intention, fake Jake. And maybe if you tell the truth a little more and you challenge your network to tell the truth a little more, maybe you'll be a little more successful. Just a thought. Honesty might work. Hard work might work. Actually giving free advice to our competition. We'll continue. Barack Obama was the first president in history that never hit 3% GDP growth in a single year of his presidency, which I think speaks volumes. Um, Well, you know, when I took over, we were in the ones. And if we hit, think of this, if we hit just one point, if we go up from two to three, we pick up $2.5 trillion, $2.5 trillion. To the Treasury. And we pick up millions of jobs. Yeah. So it pays for the whole thing. So it really pays for it. So I think it'll be good. You're trying to incentivize those trillions to come back here with a low repatriation rate. How low will that be? And how much do you think you can bring back into the United States? And what does it mean? Okay. So right now you have probably, and nobody knows the exact number because it's, I I actually think it's much higher than people understand, but it'll probably be over $3 trillion is outside of our country and our companies, and they just can't get it back. They're trying but they can't get it back. Number one, it's a bureaucratic mess. Number two, the tax rate is so high, it doesn't make sense. So what they do is they invest it in Europe and other places where the money is. And I'll tell you what they do also. They leave the country because the money becomes so much and so valuable to them that they leave the country, our country, to go and get their money. So they leave the country and they fire everybody. Now what we're doing is we're lowering the rate so they can bring it back in. We're giving them a shot to bring all that money. It's all going to come back in. It's going to come back in immediately. It's going be more than $3 trillion. Probably we're looking at a 10% rate. It may be around that number, maybe a little higher, maybe a little lower, but it's going to be right around that number, probably 10%. And right now what it is is 35% plus. Now, who's going to bring money back when you have to pay, by the time you finish, almost half of your money in tax? So are never going to bring it back. So we're going to have that money come back in. It's going to put people to work so fast, and the money itself is going to go to work very fast. And, you know, say what you want about Democrats and Republicans. For years, years and years, everybody's wanted to do that. You have trillions of dollars outside of our country, offshore, and the Democrats wanted it back, the Republicans wanted it back, everybody wanted it back, and they couldn't do it. They couldn't get a deal. We're going to do a deal, and we're putting it down as part of our tax cuts. 
All right, hour two, Sean Hannity show. That was the president last night as we interviewed him about his economic plan that was in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania last night. A lot of truckers were there last night. And I was kidding around with one of them. I said to them, you know, when I get stuck behind like a couple of, you know, 18 wheelers on a rainy, rainy highway, I said, you know, and you're splashing all of that water on my windshield and I can't see. I always stop to think, what's in that truck that I want? Because there's always something in there that I'm going to want or need. And but for the guys that deliver, work the roads overnight, such a hard job being a trucker. You got to load those suckers up. You got to bring them to the place to reload, get back. You know, you cost per mile. It's, it burdens some regulation. It's really hard. But I, I met some very cool people there. Anyway, joining us now, former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich, is with us. By the way, his brand new book is out. It's doing very well on Amazon. It's called Vengeance. And uh, it's uh, basically taken from the headlines novel that I started reading, and I really can't put it down. And uh, welcome back. How are you? Well, it's great, and it sounds like, you know, I was born in Harrisburg, so it sounds like you had a great time. In fact, I'm going to go there for my uh, my niece's, uh, Lauren, is getting married this weekend. I'll be back in Harrisburg. Sounds like you had a great time there. Yeah, well, I really did. And you know what? As the president said last night, this is the heart and soul of America. These are people that work hard, play by the rules, make this a better country. They raise their families, obey the laws, pay their taxes and and make and just make it a better the world a better place. Um, I, like you, am not as optimistic. The president laid out a great plan last night. I'm not as optimistic as I'd like to be that this is all going to get done. It's all going to come down to the Senate and finding 50 votes. And uh, I think the House is going to pass it. I think uh, Paul Ryan will have done his job. Uh, now we got to find a way to get to 50 votes to Senate. But I must say, I thought the president was uh, selling about as well as I've heard him in a long time. I thought he, he's on his topic. He knows it. He understands it. He's enthusiastic. And I thought it was very effective on your show. Uh, I thought he was, too. And this is what we need done now. Um, you have asked, for example, the president and Bob Corker to stop having intramural battles and intramural fights. OK, right. uh, I think if but, but doesn't don't the people in the Senate now realize that I walked around the crowd last night for an hour and I'd interviewed people. We're going to show some of those interviews tonight. And I asked people basically three questions, what they thought of the president. All right. It might be a biased crowd that they're there to see the president. And then I it was overwhelmingly positive. No negatives. Then I asked about Congress. It was almost universally negative. And then I asked about the media, and you can predict the media's response. Right. All right. But, the con- but you know, Mitch McConnell has an 18 percent approval rating in his home state. Uh, uh, I mean, the Congress has a simple cure, pass the tax bill. They pass a really big tax cut, and people see it and feel it in their pocket. That's going to have a direct, decisive impact. And Congress's ratings are going to go up. If, if McConnell... Uh, as he apparently is working on it, starts getting a bunch of conservative judges approved, their ratings are going to go up. I think people are reacting to what they see, uh, and, and uh, people want action. You know, the, uh, I, I, you've heard me say that, that uh, if you're going to drain the swamp, the alligators are going to fight back, uh, which is true. But people are cheering for draining the swamp. They're not cheering for the alligators. Uh, and I think no, exactly. that, that's a big thing for this, a big thing for Republicans in the Senate to remember. And frankly, for Democrats to remember, I mean, I like the more the president talks about, you know, Democrats ought to vote for this tax cut, too. I mean, let's put some pressure on the Democrats. How does a guy like Manchin, uh, you know, with with uh, the president having carried his state by a huge margin, doesn't he want to at least think about voting for this? And I think uh, 
there are a number of Democratic senators who might take a look at this thing, and suddenly you may have a little extra margin than you thought you did. Yeah. So how does this get done between now and Christmas or now and Thanksgiving? Well, the Senate's got to pass the budget resolution. That means you can then pass the Senate, the tax bill with 50 votes. Uh, the House is apparently ready to start marking up the bill in ways it means now, uh, which is about within a week of what Ryan's uh, schedule originally was. Uh, the next thing is to get Senator Hatch to agree that as soon as the bill's marked up in the House, he'll start marking it up in the Senate. And uh, the president and Mitch McConnell, you know, they've got to put all these petty things aside. They've got to decide they're on the same team. They've got to sit down with guys like Corker and get things worked out, talk it through. Uh, and they've got to build uh, 50-plus votes. And then, frankly, I think they should go and, and put some real pressure on the swing Democrats uh, in the 10 states that are, that are up for re-election that Trump carried uh, and see if they can't push the, uh, five or six of them into voting yes. And there's no reason this has to be a cliffhanger. Uh, this is a good tax cut bill. Uh, the president, I think, is a good salesman for it. The country wants it. There's going to be overwhelming support for tax cuts. Uh, and I think you can make a pretty simple case. You, you know, you want more money in your pocket or more money in Washington. Uh, and I think the Democrats are going to pay a real cost if they say, no, no, you know, the money belongs to the swamp. The money doesn't belong to you. I thought one of the more interesting parts of the discussion, because basically the plan is what he ran on, with the exception right. of the corporate rate going to 20 percent and and Paul Ryan and others convinced and that's the only rate they're going to be able to get based on past laws, a reconciliation in the Senate, et cetera. And I'm like, OK, I, this, it gets complicated. I understand. But every other part of it, it's interesting that well, one, I mean, what, and it's still it's still a cut from 35 to 20 and then puts it slightly below. The world rate, which is 22. I mean, it's a, if he gets a 20% corporate rate and they get a big pass through for small business and they get a middle class tax cut and they get this money back from overseas, that's a pretty big win. Well, I think it's a really big win because it's a win for the American people. The repatriation right. is going to put trillions back in the economy. The Also, we're going to get a lot of money back in the economy because corporations will now start investing in factories and manufacturing centers. Then you're going to have the middle class with, on average, about a $2,000 per family uh, reduction in their taxes every year. That's serious, serious money. Um, so I think it's all good. Yeah, and, uh, and that's why I've, I've said you've heard me say now for six months. The key test is getting this tax bill through, getting it signed into law, preferably by Thanksgiving, so that they, they have a big impact on the first and second quarters. If we can run for re-election in 18 as the party of jobs and prosperity and take-home pay, uh, we got a pretty good thing to argue. And then, but then we've got to go back and clean up health care. We've got to do something on infrastructure. But the whole centerpiece of this game is the tax cuts. Yeah, well, I think that's true. By a million percentage points, that's true. Um, what about what the president did on health care today? I think what he did was absolutely brilliant. And what he's allowing to have happen, and he's using a loophole the corporations have used since 1974, and that is that if you're a corporation and you have offices in different states, you're allowed to buy insurance for your entire corporate team, and that means all of your workers across state lines, one plan, you're not beholden to state laws, right. and in this case, you won't be beholden to Obamacare or ACA regulations. So that would mean that somebody that, you know, a group of people that work in the National Restaurant Association, coast to coast, they would be able to buy across state lines with the buying power of a big group and the competition that would be associated by going to any state that they wanted to go to. 
Well, I think, look, I think it's got great potential. I think that you've got, uh, I've always been for association health plans. Uh, I think you could have the National Federation of Independent Businesses, uh, the American Farm Bureau. You suddenly have lots of people who had been trapped in the individual market could now join their association, buy collectively, bring down their costs, uh, increase competition, increase desirability of working with them. There'll be a lot of details to work out, but I think it's exactly the right direction. And I think five or six big steps like this will help start help fixing the health system despite the inability of the Congress to repeal Obamacare. Yeah, well, and that's been a, a big obstacle to them. What do you think of this whole Harvey Weinstein issue in this sense? That the criticism, number one, that you had the New York Times and NBC have opportunities to break this story wide open and they buried it. Then you've got every Democratic politician, they buried it. Then you find out everybody, everybody in Hollywood knew about his atrocious behavior and nobody spoke up. Look, I, I think it, there's, there's a culture of sickness on the left and uh, that they, they protect each other and they cover for each other. Uh, and uh, you're seeing it begin to break down in Silicon Valley. You're seeing it begin to break down uh, in, uh, in Hollywood. And I think it's going to continue to happen. Uh, but it also, as you point out, it, there's a fascinating study here of the pathology of the news media. Um, I mean, NBC, uh, on, not just on this story, but on a whole series of things, NBC has been very strange recently. And, and uh, you know, the, the degree to which uh, NBC went off the deep end of gun control, for example, uh, was very, very odd. And uh, I think that, that uh, but the Harvey Weinstein story, it, it, what makes it interesting to me, is it's, it's 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 this dual story. It's both the story about this guy who's a, who's clearly an exploiter and a blackmailer and, and and a guy who buys off people, but it's also the story of the culture around him and the history around him and the way it was manipulated. I mean, somebody's going to do a great book that pieces all this stuff together, and it's going to be shocking how sick the system was. And it's a it's a further step in undermining the American public's belief in the news media because uh, you now know that there were lots of people who had a really powerful, explosive story, and, and they sat on it. They refused to do it. It's really sad. All right, stay right there. Former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich, his new book is out. It's called Vengeance, and it's in bookstores everywhere. He's also doing a tour around the country, and we have a link to my website, Hannity.com, if you want to go see the speaker when he's out and about around the country. And as we continue, former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich, with us, his brand-new book now. It's up on Hannity.com. It's called Vengeance and in bookstores everywhere. Ram Paul, who encouraged the president on this new change to the health care system, is uh, going to join us. We'll get his take. Um, so if you were to move forward, you really believe everything is now coming down to this tax bill. And you, yeah, look, I'm, I'm a Reaganite. I was, I was trained by Ronald Reagan. And in 1981, they knew that the key to getting the economy rolling— was a gigantic tax bill, and for eight months they didn't do or talk about anything else. They understood that. So last night's speech was great. Last night's interview with you was great. He should give nothing but tax and economic growth and take-home pay speeches and interviews from now till the bill passes. Yeah. Uh, there is nothing which is secondary. When, when you're faced with something which is this important, you have to win. Yeah, well, I agree. I mean, you have to win. Do you have to win it this year? My argument is yes. Right. Yes. And and that means you got to focus and be disciplined and stay on the topic. And you got to recognize you need at least 50 votes in the Senate. And you got to go out and, and even if you got arguments with people about other issues, you got to find some common ground to bring them together. No. And it's. 
You know, do you it, think it, any, is there it's any hard the president's hard, but it's not complicated. The president seemed confident that some Democrats would go along. I don't see it. Well, I don't know, man. I think if the, this is where I think the president ought to be out barnstorming, you know, he ought to be in every one of those states that has a, a senator that, where the state voted for Trump. And he should be explaining for that state what the tax cut bill is going to mean for, you know, just, just for Wisconsin, just for Michigan, just for Pennsylvania, just for West Virginia, just for Missouri, just for Indiana, just for North Dakota, just for, for, for Montana. All of a sudden, those local Democrats now got a problem because now they have their small business people coming to them. They got their farmers coming to them. They got workers coming to them saying, hey, why are you against my getting a tax cut? I'm confident the House is going to get this done. I'm not confident in the Senate. Have you talked to any senators? I talked to a bunch of senators. I think I think there's there's a belief that it can be done, but it's hard. Uh, the, the Senate's a very different place than the House. Uh, and, and I think that each individual senator uh, has a, a very important sense of, of importance. Uh, the, the system was designed for that. There are only 100 of them. Uh, and, they, and each one of them knows that they matter. Uh, and, uh, you know, they, they many of them have very strong opinion. You're going to have a guy on today who really is helping change history, Rand Paul. I mean, he, he has been the champion of these association health plans. There's a great article out today, by the way, yeah. uh, explaining why Trump was right and explaining why it's helping the American people. Yeah, well, Rand Paul's got his own strong, unique idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, there are a bunch of guys like that. And, all right, and, I got to... Uh, let me let me ask this. So you're going on a little bit of a book tour with your new book, Vengeance. Where are you going to be? Well, we're going to be. Uh, we we just did a great uh, book signing last night. We're going to be in Harrisburg, and then we're going to be uh, next weekend. A couple of cities. I honestly don't have the list in front of me. I'm talking to you from Toronto, where I'm doing the Monk debate tonight, which is three thousand Canadians. Uh, you can imagine uh, the degree <laughs> to which they're probably not pro-Trump. Uh, That's going to be great. One of the things that keeps life exciting. Uh, I have every confidence that you'll 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 be doing your thing and winning the crowd over. I've been there when they're hostile and you do win them over, much to their reluctance and chagrin. All right, Mr. Speaker, thanks for being with us. Rand Paul, who pushed the president on this health care change, is joining us next. I became president of the United States. I just keep hearing repeal, replace, repeal, replace. Well, we're starting that process and we're starting it in a very positive manner. And I can say when you get Rand Paul on your side, it has to be positive. That I can tell you. <laughs> Boy. Red. I was just saying, as he's getting up and saying all these wonderful things about what we're going to be announcing, I said, boy, that's pretty unusual. I'm very impressed. <laughs> a few moments, I will sign an executive order taking the first steps to providing millions of Americans with Obamacare relief. It directs the Department of Health and Human Services, the Treasury, and the Department of Labor to take action to increase competition, increase choice, and increase access to lower-priced, high-quality health care options. And they will have so many options. This will cost the United States government virtually nothing, and people will have great, great health care. All right, 24 now till the uh, top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN, toll-free telephone number. You want to be a part of the program. This is the president's biggest step yet to carry out what is a broad directive <clears throat> that he is now using in terms of eliminating and lessening Obamacare regulations and, and hold- holdover regulations that are stifling the health insurance industry. 
Missouri. And in many ways, this is what we've been talking about. He had the authority to do. It deals with a, a 1974 law, and it's going to allow independent groups and associations to go out and purchase care, care that they want, and not be impacted by by individual state laws, for example, that would otherwise not enable them to do these things. Uh, one of its biggest proponents has explained it on the program before. He's with us. The senator from the great state of Kentucky, Rand Paul, is with us, not the other senator from Kentucky. How are you? Hey, Sean. Yeah, this is a big day for freedom, big day for freedom of choice. We are really excited, and I think there's a chance that millions of people who do not have insurance currently would have access to inexpensive insurance once this thing gets going. Why don't you explain the law from 74 and what this now will allow groups, associations of people in neighboring states or different states to be able to do collectively and what it means in terms of eliminating the burdensome regulations of Obamacare? Well, the law since 1974 has allowed corporations to buy insurance across state line. So about half of the big companies in our country already buy insurance across state lines, and they use their buying power to get good insurance. And what this will do is expand the notion of just large businesses being able to do this to allow associations to do it. And there have been some in the past. In fact, before, I think it was 1998, we got things like share and some of these other things approved, and then the government just sort of changed their opinion and quit approving them. So really what the president's doing today is looking back at the original law and saying, you know what, the original law never intended to prevent associations from forming. In fact, if you look at the First Amendment to the Constitution, the First Amendment says we have the the right to peaceably assemble, and that also involves associations. So there have been a couple of famous Supreme Court cases, NAACP versus Alabama, said the NAACP had the right to associate and keep private roles. There was also another case, Roberts versus the USJC said the same thing. You have the right to form an association for economic benefits. It's basically a First Amendment right. So I applaud the president. This was a So let's say I was, in, I was in Harrisburg, PA, with the president last night. I'm not sure if you saw the interview, but he referred to this, this action that he took today and said he would take it today. Uh, and we were before a lot, of, a lot of people in the trucking industry. So if there are people in the trucking industry in Pennsylvania and in Ohio and in Michigan and Wisconsin, and they want to create an association, then they would be able to buy any insurance that works best for them and buy into it. And then they would be able to buy across state lines and and they would not be subject to the individual state burdens that are put on them, nor would they be subject to the ACA rules and burdens that are put on them. Most of the rules would be out the window. You still, though, will have to accept all comers and you uh, still have, uh, if someone has a pre existing condition, you can't turn them down from from joining your group. But here's the really cool thing, Sean. This might not be 100 people in your group. What if you've got 15 million people? The National Restaurant Association has a couple of million restaurants, and together they have about 15 million, maybe 20 million employees working in these restaurants. If one person was able to negotiate for 20 million, instead of us be being beholden to the insurance companies, to big insurance, all of a sudden big insurance is going to have to come on bended knee to the consumer and they're going to have to negotiate with somebody who's got 15 million customers. And guess what? Instead of the insurance companies squeezing us all dry, I think we're going to get a better deal. And even under Obamacare, you know, there are 28 million people don't have insurance. There's a good chance that through this policy, a lot of the uninsured are going to be able to buy something and get something if they're part of the working class today. What about catastrophic care, which is illegal under Obamacare? 
I think you'll find more varied policies. You might find some that are catastrophic, but you also might find some, for example, let's say I'm negotiating for 15 million people, and I say, I want cheap insurance, I want inexpensive, they say, we well, could do that, and I say, well, I've got 15 million people, I also want pregnancy coverage. I think because of your sheer size, you're going to be able to demand good cost and complete coverage. And would you so also be able to get different options for different plans? For example, somebody might just want the catastrophic plan because they're exactly. young and genuine genuinely healthy, right? Yeah, and the, and you are free of some of the mandates of Obamacare. So we struggled. You know, we lost several people who said they were for repeal and then they didn't vote for repeal. This actually does um, get us to where we don't have to have all these mandates on insurance that came from Obamacare. The mandates are what caused Obamacare uh, premiums to go up. And so this is a way to, to get beyond Obamacare and allow people the freedom of choice to buy what they want at the cost they want. This has the potential to be amazing. So what's going to happen, though, and I think fairly predictably, you're going to have Democratic state attorney generals bringing lawsuits. Now, as you have studied and looked at this law as much as anybody, do you think they, they can have any success in the courts? We've had our lawyers read the initial law, and we think the mistake wasn't in the law. We think that this, uh, what they're talking about, of course, we haven't seen the final ruling yet, but we think the ruling that expands the definition of who can join an association is consistent with the original law. We think the mistake came from Clinton and Bush and Obama interpreting the law incorrectly. So this is what's true of all laws. The laws get passed, and they are basically a skeleton outline of what should be done, and then we assign to these regulators all this power. But over time, most of the regulators are big government regulators, and we've never, I promise you, not since Reagan have we had a president who was bold enough to tell the regulators, go fly a kite. I want you to look at the original law, not the previous regulators. Look at the original law and tell me why that it should be illegal for individuals to to join a nationwide association. And what President Trump found is what we found. There is nothing in the original law that says that we should not be allowed to organize as consumers into large nationwide buying groups. What if I, Sean Hannity, wanted to organize everybody that works in radio? That means, you know, board operators, engineers, producers, um, executive producers, super high functioning executive producers, call screeners, uh, salespeople. Would I be able to form an association and, and get everybody in radio that wanted to join up with me and we can get one organized and, and negotiate with health insurers and get one big health care plan that we can have maybe options for? I think you're going to have to see the final rulings. I can't give you advice on forming that, but I can tell you that... The well, why would the National Association... Restaurant Association be able to do it and not me? Well, they probably can. They probably can. And I'm saying you probably could. I just can't give you legal advice on forming it because I, can't, I haven't seen the law. So I'm just saying I no, can't be No, you've never been timid and shy and afraid of lawsuits before, <laughs> Senator. Yeah, now, now I'm afraid. See, I'm giving advice, and I, I don't think you're going to compensate me either. Are you going to send me a check for my advice Absolutely. on your new group? Absolutely not. You're a public servant. You're supposed to do this for free. All um, right, I'm giving you advice for free, and that is hire an attorney. That's the only <laughs> advice I can give you on yeah, that. Yeah, thanks. But, the point, but, but let me say this. The bottom line is it's— because Congress couldn't get the job done. Let's be blunt here. You know, it's really pathetic that Mitch McConnell wasn't ready and had a consensus plan with every member of the Senate to get this done. That's kind of pathetic, in my opinion. Well, you know, the way I look at it is we promised to repeal it. Everybody says, oh, we promised to repeal it and replace it with some other big government program. We never promised to replace it with a big government program. For many of us, my idea of replacement was legalizing choice like this, legalizing freedom to associate, legalizing the freedom to buy 
buy what insurance you wanted. But there was a promise to repeal, and it was a very strong promise, and everybody was on it. Uh, 52, 50, I think. But you know what's going to happen. 53 voted for it, but then we lost six or seven people. That's but what you, the problem But you know was. what's going to happen. They're going to they're going to go judge shopping. This is going to end up in San Francisco somewhere, and then they're going to dump it at the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. That's where it's going. And now we're talking about how long before we could actually get this done. Well, we we think that they're not going outside the law. We think they're being consistent with the law. Can you find liberal judges in California to rule on anything? Sure, but. The other good news is is that uh, as the Supreme Court looks right now, uh, it's fairly evenly split, but I think slightly in our favor. And there's always the possibility over the next several months or until something comes forward that another justice will be appointed. I, I think there's a very good chance that President Trump will appoint uh, one, maybe two more justices in the next year or two. And if that happens, I think we're going to get a fair shake. All right, we've got to take a break. We'll come back. We'll have more with uh, Rand Paul, the senator from the great state of Kentucky. All right, as we continue, Senator Rand Paul from Kentucky is with us as the president now moves forward with his latest executive order. Now, the biggest step to literally create a directive uh, that allows for individuals and for associations to now form their own health care cooperatives, which would allow these cooperatives and, and associations to buy across state lines and the executive action. It won't happen immediately because you have several cabinet agencies that got to develop the specific rules and implement the changes. Uh, but at the end of the day, this could be the secret sauce to circumvent a lot of burdensome state laws, especially in blue states and burdensome uh, regulations under Obamacare that would ostensibly render them meaningless. I want to ask you, as you know, it's kind of sad that the Congress couldn't get this done, but this this order of the president doesn't do everything. So the House and Senate still need work to do here on health care, don't they? Yeah, and there's still some things out there that are really good ideas. And some of these ideas actually, interestingly, are ideas to let people escape from Obamacare. So this is an escape hatch, a big escape hatch. And I think millions of people are going to choose it. it. doesn't force people to do anything. And here's the great thing about it. You know, you've had other Republicans proposing replacement plans that cost trillions of dollars. Graham Cassidy was going to cost one point two trillion dollars. My plan today that the president enacted cost zero. Yeah. Cost not one penny. All it did was legalize something that's basically a natural right, something protected by the First Amendment, which is your right to associate with others. All right, let this me ask is this basically question. codifying a freedom. Let me and I agree with you and I think and you and I've discussed this in the past and I said at the time I agreed with you, but I still think the Senate and the House need to get their job done as well and and repeal this thing. Let me ask you about this tax bill that's making its way through the House and Senate, I'm less confident every day this is going to get done. I still have a strong hope that it will get done. And, and I spoke with the president today and with his team. And my the only thing that is a is something we have to make sure and that I'm concerned about is that the middle class gets a tax cut. If the upper class get a tax cut and the poor get a tax cut and the middle class gets a tax increase, that's a deal killer. And it's going to really hurt uh, the country, the party. The president, was very, the president was very clear last night that the majority of the cuts will be middle class than corporations. He was adamant. He was adamant with me, but he also was adamant with his team today, and he pointed at him, and he said, you guys better make sure that this is not going to happen, and I can tell you that what we've pointed out is being listened to, because right now the middle rate, 25%, stays the same, and you lose two big deductions. So if you lose two big deductions and you keep the rate the same, there's a danger that those in the middle you mean, will have You mean state increase. and local income taxes are non-deductible, right? 
That's, that's one, but the other one is the personal exemption. So if you make between 75000 and 300000 your rate is 25%. If you keep the rate the same and you get rid of the state income tax deduction and the personal exemption deduction, which is $4,000 a person, and you keep the rate the same, there is a real danger that a bunch of people in that category are going to have tax increase. The president told me adamantly he's not going to let it happen. His people told me not going to let it happen. But what I'm telling you is Paul Ryan's plan from a year ago did not change the brackets and just got rid of these deductions, and it would have been a significant increase on the middle class. No, we can't Paul have Ryan's that. That's plan. bad for the economy. That's not what Reagan and Kennedy did, so I agree with you. All and right. It's not what the president wants. That's not what the president said last night. All right. Good for you. Yeah. All right. Well, if we had another, maybe I should go to Kentucky and run for senator at some point and replace McConnell. What do you think? You know, I think people would love to see you down in, in Kentucky, but I don't know about uh, coming down there and running for office. I don't know about carpetbaggers coming down there from Long Island. You're, so, call, uh, you're calling me a carpetbagger? Jeez. <laughs> Wow. Well, we Yankees. We, we don't take too kindly to Yankees down in Kentucky. Well, you yeah. know, I did live in uh, Alabama for years, and I did live in Georgia for years, and I did live in Rhode Island for years, and I did live in California for years. Jeez. That's you, know what, you know what? What we really need to do is you, if you go to California and knock off one of their senators, we'd probably give you a gold medal. Yeah, you give me a gold medal. Yeah, put me in. <laughs> it, give, me, give me Mission Impossible where, you know, uh, it's like running in New York City, but I, uh, hell would freeze over before I ever ran in New York and won anything. I think if you if you had, I think it would just take a billion dollars. If you had a billion dollars and A you billion dollars. Well, I don't hard. have a billion dollars, so forget <laughs> it. And, and, and bribe my way into the Senate. Great. Alright, thank nah. you, sir. 800-941-SEAN is our number. A lot of people, I was surprised watching all last year with Colin Kaepernick. Guy praised a murdering thug dictator. He had socks that depicted yeah. Cops as pigs yeah. and, and other issues. He actually donated to a charity that actually supported a cop killer. And then we saw the NFL. And you took it on, it appears, based on the letter that Roger Goodell put out yesterday, that Donald Trump initiated a debate over standing for the flag and our anthem and those that fought, blood and died. And looks like you won. <laughs> So I watched Colin Kaepernick, and I thought it was terrible. And then it got bigger and bigger and started mushrooming. And frankly, the NFL should have suspended him for one game, and he would have never done it again. They could have then suspended him for two games, and they could have suspended him if he did it a third time for the season, and you would never have had a problem. But I will tell you, you cannot disrespect our country, our flag, our anthem. You cannot do that. All right, that was the president last night in our interview that we had with him in Paris, uh, Harrisburg, PA, 800-941-SEAN, toll-free telephone number. This is our News Roundup Information Overload Hour. Joining us now, Pastor Daryl Scott. He is the executive director of the National Diversity Coalition for Trump and the senior pastor at the New Spirit Revival Center, of which I am going to be a guest in coming weeks. Uh, I have no idea. October 22nd. Six o'clock at your church. I'm looking forward to it. And the Reverend Charles Christian Adams, he's the pastor of the Hartford Memorial Baptist Church. He's never invited me to his church. (laughs) Um, Pastor Scott, have you made the announcement I'm coming yet? Yes, sir. I've got a flyer out. We made the announcement. I'm already getting a major buzz about it, so it's going to be a great event. 
Now, are you going to have me preaching, or are you going to be asking me questions, or how are we going to handle this? No, I'm going to introduce you and give you the mic. Introduce me and give me the mic. And, and then you just let, and the, let and the word is going to come flowing through me. Right, and however way you want to do it, whatever you want to do. If you okay. want to take questions, you can. Well, hey, listen, once I give it to you, it's your house. You do what you want to do. Well, it's always going to be God's house, and I'll respect it as God's house. Um, anyway, Reverend uh, Charles Christian Adams, I don't have a people, you know, exercising their free speech rights. I don't have problem people speaking out. I don't have a problem if people want to take a knee. But if you're not going to stand for our anthem and hundreds of thousands of Americans died fighting for your freedom to do that uh, as an as a NFL, as a group, they have all sorts of restrictions on freedom of speech. You can't put never forget on your cleats, 9-11-01. You can't put uh, you can't honor slain police officers if you want to put something on your helmet like they wanted to do in Dallas. So there are all sorts of free speech restrictions in the NFL. Why should these players be taking a knee and be allowed to do so? Well, the free speech uh, restrictions uh, are not in the NFL rule book. I, I read something where there is one in the game operations manual, but that couldn't be confirmed. But there's well, nothing no, that in is the confirmed where they're told specifically this. Says, all right, so now, but the fans are saying they don't want to watch, and now the NFL is saying that we should be able to do both simultaneously, honor the flag, honor the anthem, because ratings are way down, attendance is now down, the prices of tickets are down, they're losing advertisers, and I think ultimately that the president has won in this case. If you read Roger Goodell's letter, he's saying we've got to listen to what our fans are saying. Well, let me tell you, if the league goes completely under, although I have not heard those statistics confirmed, you still have to obey the constitutional law of the United States of America. The rule book of the Game Operations Manual cannot override and supersede U.S. constitutional law. Well, if that's and the case, if, if that's that the case, then the Dallas the right protest the flag. If uh, that were the case, then the NFL would not have been able to stop the Dallas Cowboys from honoring slain police officers murdered in the line of duty, nor would they have been able to stop players that wanted to put Never Forget 9-11-01 on the 15th anniversary of that terror attack. Well, I don't think that anybody has tried to challenge those uh, restrictions, but if they try to challenge these players now, I don't think they want to end up in court because they're not going to prevail. It's not the The government. The precedents are there. If you want to be a part of an organization, organizations have rules. And the NFL, like a lot of organizations, has rules. And if they say you've got to be out there on the field and put your helmet in your left hand and not talk and honor the flag and honor the anthem, and you don't want to do it, that's fine, but then they're going to have the ability to say goodbye to you and fire you. But that that may or may not be the case because not even state law can supersede the U.S. Constitution, as you know. Private organizations, they they have the ability to do what they want, and that's it. If you don't want to – look, if that's the case, then every NFL player doesn't even have to wear the helmet of their team. They can wear any helmet that they want to wear. A private organization doesn't want to get sued either. And flag protests are protected under constitutional law. I wouldn't do it from a business standpoint. I wouldn't risk a billion-dollar industry over a protest. I'd rather do more positive community work. But they are still protected under the protest is as American as baseball and apple pie. All right, what do you say, Pastor Scott? 
Well, first of all, Colin Kaepernick and every other player, let's use the Cleveland Browns, for example. When they're on that field, they're not down there representing themselves as private citizens. They're representing the city of Cleveland. When, when, when the players bow, they're forcing me to bow with them, whether I want to bow with them or not. When the players from the Cleveland Browns or the San Francisco 49ers or wherever, when they bow, they're making that entire city bow. And the city doesn't want to buy. Now, listen, I have employees. Sean, you have businesses. I have employees. If I come in and there are customers standing in line while my receptionist is bowing her knee and saying, I refuse to stand up in front of these customers because I feel like bowing to protest social injustice, she's getting fired on the spot. There's not going to be all this debate and discussion about it. You'll give up your rights, some of your rights as a private citizen, when you go to work for, uh, for certain people. Your right to free speech is contained within the parameters of your employer or your employment. And the Cleveland Browns especially, they're so busy worrying about taking a knee. So let me ask you, let's say somebody's... Because they take an L every week. Let's say, Reverend uh, Adams, that somebody works on a a cable network like CNN and they want to be able to use the N-word freely. And the network says it's our policy. You can't do that. Are you saying that that would go to court and that they would have the right to supersede what the organization rightly has as a standard? That would that would be offensive, and uh, I, I think that well, that that's would the same. Up- bowing the knee is offensive. Bowing the knee is offending certain segments, such as myself, with the players. When that player but that has that Cleveland would, on his think, back, when but, he bows, he's bowing for me, and I don't want him to bow for me. Now, when he gets off work. He can go in that locker room. He can go out in the parking lot. He can go home and bow all he wants to. He can kneel all he wants to. But when he's knee, taking the knee on that field with that Cleveland Browns uniform on, he's bowing. He's kneeling for me against my will. Pastor Scott, that's your point of view. Cleveland is not monolithic. All U.S. cities have many different The football different team points, is monolithic. Will not the, foot, that the football offensive. team. And they they represent the offensive, but if I consider it offensive, if I don't consider it offensive, that's my point of view. And and going back but watch to the N word, the N word is is categorized as a hate term. So it's well, not wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. If the N word, okay, well, what if this person wants to play rap music that freely uses the N word? At their workstation. Mm-hmm. How does that categorize hate speech? And, and, and the CDs are selling by the millions from these rappers, the same rappers that say Black Lives Matter, the same rappers that are in, uh, uh, endorsing this protest are the very same ones that freely use the N-word in their music and under and the guise of free speech. It is under the guise of free speech, but it is, if I'm not mistaken, still considered a term of hate. Taking a knee and praying during the national anthem, it's not considered hatred, Reverend. Black they, people even, buying the records to freely use the, the word. And the aren't even sitting down anymore. They're praying. I don't, no, you know, like I said, now. I don't agree with it from a business standpoint, but as a minister and as one who believes in the freedom of speech in America and expression. Listen, if somebody came you, to your church and stood up and said, Satan is Lord, would you let them say that? Would you let people come to your church and use their free speech in your church and say Satan, Lucifer, is Lord and Jesus is not? Would you allow that? You know, I can't stop somebody from saying that. I've heard worse. I've been called Would your ushers allow them to say that? Would they allow them to disrupt your sermon and say Satan, Lucifer, is God and Jesus is not? 
but it is against municipal law in the city of Detroit to disrupt purposely a service of worship. You cannot do it. That's you're against municipal now. law. You're ducking. You're ducking the question. Would you let them step? Would you let one of your members of your church say, "I renounce the, in public. I renounce Jesus and Satan is Lord." Would you let them say that in your church? Telling you, there has been worse said in my church. You're not answering his question. With all due respect, you're not. You're not answering his question. Would you let them say that in your church? Would I let them say Lucifer is Lord? I wouldn't want them to say. I didn't ask you if you wanted. Would you let them? Would you let them interrupt your sermon and say Satan, the father of evil, is Lord and not Jesus? No, I would not, because that would be disruptive to the service. But if we were in a Bible study or something like that, yeah, sure. If they want to say that, they can say it, but they're going to be taking the task. I'm saying that the NFL rule book or not even my will or my church can overcome the U.S. constitutional provision that gives people freedom of speech. You know this. They have earned the flag. They have stepped on the flag. They have put the flag on the seat of their pants. It has gone in through the court system, through the appellate system, to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court said that no state law. Stay right there. We got to take a break. We got to take a break. We'll come back more with Reverend Charles Christian Adams, more with Pastor Scott. Now, we're going to be at Pastor Scott's church on October the 22nd. And. At 6 o'clock. I hope you can join us. Quick break. Right back. We'll continue. And as we continue with the Pastor Daryl Scott, Executive Director of the National Diversity Coalition for Trump, Senior Pastor at the New Spirit Revival Center, I will be a special guest there on a Sunday, October 22nd, a special service at 6 p.m. And also joining us, Reverend Charles Christian Adams, and he is the presiding pastor of the Hartford Memorial Baptist Church, who's never invited me to be a part of his congregation, <laughs> not one time, and he even laughs about it, but um, I'm looking forward to it. I just, uh, I can't believe... It would be an honor to have you there. Sir. So you do believe in honor. restrictions. So there is, as part of an organization, there is the right for, say, CNN or any news organization to have standards that you can't use the F word, the B word, the C word, the D word, whatever, that you can't, you know, use the N word, that you can't say horrible things or as an organization it goes against their policy and you could be fired for that correct absolutely okay so that's right so how's that different than the nfl because they do the same thing because let me give you some example you 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 can't you can in the nfl twerk in the end zone you can't taunt other players you can't act like you're going to fire a bow and arrow in the end zone after you get a touchdown there's all sorts of things you've got to wear a certain uniform or slash your throat or anything but the bottom line is they're not doing any of that to the American flag. They are praying. While they're not praying. Being I never heard they one person praying. that took they're a knee. Kneeling. They are kneeling. They are praying. And that the was Green Beret, Colin Kaepernick, who told, who told Kaepernick, look, don't sit down. Just take a knee and pray during that play. Pray to your God. Pray for the justice that you seek. And there are players that have joined him. And all those other things, they're cursing and all that, that is not, to me, parallel to somebody praying. But still, it would be interesting to see those issues come up in court. They haven't yet. But the flag issue has, and that has been struck 
down by the Supreme Court time and time again. Congress. Give me an example of when it was struck down by a private organ when a private organization can't enforce their own rules of governing their organization, though. Well, first of all, it's not you don't have to be in the NFL. You do not have to play in the NFL. But if you're but if you do play, they've got rules and regulations. You can't twerk in the end zone. Yeah. From there are things you cannot do when you're in anyone's employ. Now, they're not kneeling in prayer. They're kneeling in protest. So this is not a prayer meeting. If that's the case, they could pray in the locker room. They're kneeling in protest against the American flag. But you have a guy, Colin Kaepernick, who says he's protesting social injustice against. He's protesting for the cause of civil rights. But he wears a T-shirt with his hero, who's one of the greatest violators of human rights in human history, Fidel Castro. There are people still in prison from the 50s over there because of Castro's oppressive regime. He's just a guy that's making a statement. He's actually, you know, when you protest, they're protesting Donald Trump. They just don't want to say it. It's the fact that Donald Trump won that presidential election. That's what they're so protesting. First, and they just don't want to admit it. Personally, I believe that he has added fuel to the fire, but it was not originally a protest against Donald Trump when Kaepernick started it last season. Well, Kaepernick, the guy that the guy that has socks that depict police officers as pigs, does that offend you? Well, look, I don't want. I to asked if that. No, 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 no. Does that offend? Does that offend you that he portrays I'm sure much of what they do? Is that, something that I wouldn't do? You, you still don't like to answer questions. I noticed. Well, all well, right, okay. I've got the a. Sock tasteful. The socks were very distasteful. All right, I'm we... answering. All right. That's all I want. A straight answer. All right. We got to let it go here. Pastor Scott, I get to see you and your your lovely wife on October the 22nd, 6 p.m. It's at the New Spirit Revival Center. And uh, I look forward to seeing you and spending time with your congregation. I'm looking forward to it. We're going to have a great time. And I know God is going to use you mightily. All right, reverends. uh, Thank you both for being with us. 800-941-SEAN. Toll-free telephone number. We'll hit the phones. 800-941-SEAN. When we get back, we got a great Hannity tonight. Oh, we've got a good Hannity tonight. I'll tell you about that in a minute. All right, let's get to our busy telephones as we have been promising you. And we shall start in Idaho. Jessica is on the Sean Hannity Show. Jessica, hi, how are you? Glad you called. Good morning, Sean. Thanks for the interview last night with the president. Well, it was my honor and a lot of fun. We had a great time. It was a great crowd. We, I think we got a lot of information that is important. And it was very interesting that crowd was not pro-Congress. That crowd was not pro-media. Fascinating. Yeah, you could feel the energy. The, um, you know, the fact that our president is a enthusiastic, hard worker, um, ultimate cheerleader, supportive. Uh, I just, I, I just find him to be encouraging. And uh, it's a great, you know, what people are sticking direction. with the president. They, you know, look at his action on health care today. He's doing all he can do. And at some uh, point, you know, con- Congress has to do yeah. their part. Uh, I'm excited to hear um, some some uh, upcoming shows on that. Well, I promise like, you, I mean, we're, listen, I'm, I'm doing all I can to influence these people. They don't have a lot of time. Uh, no, <laughs> they uh, they don't. They they work a little bit uh, slow, <laughs> a little bit, a lot of bit slow. Yeah, I you know, there's there's uh, so much to do. And we've got um, a president who is uh, happy to encourage uh, them along the way. And um, I just think that positive energy moves a lot faster than negative, and um, I think that's why he has a lot of support. 
He definitely has the support. He has the support of the American people. He has the support with his agenda. Congress, for whatever reason, hasn't figured out they'll be as popular as he is. Meanwhile, they, you know, look at Mitch McConnell, Mr. 18 percent. And look at the rest right. of Congress is at like 9 percent. They'll be as popular as he is. And, you know, let's say it's 45 percent, depending on which poll it happens to be. I always believe this president under polls because there's a group of people that love him. But they're not going to tell anybody they love them at all, ever, for differing reasons. One, they don't even want to tell their friends, you know, spouses, husbands don't even want to tell their wives. Wives don't want to tell their husbands because they don't want to hear it on the other side. What do you mean you support that person? What do you mean you watch Hannity? Um, so but we need to do it for the sake of the country. Anyway, Shelley's in North Carolina. Thank you, Jessica. What's up, Shelley? How are you in the great state of North Carolina? What's happening? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for letting me talk, Sean. Um, I wanted to say this about the National Football League. You know, if these young men don't want to sing our national anthem, they don't want to honor our country, why don't we not call it the National Football League anymore? Why don't we just call it the Professional Football League? And they can refuse to take any taxpayer money to build all these huge stadiums that they've done in the past. And they can even offer to pay it back to the taxpaying Americans that love our country. And the other thought that I had is, you know, it seems like the NFL, they're so concerned with protecting their players as though they're this hot commodity that could never be replaced. Well, I have to say, for every one young guy that gets into the NFL, there's probably a million who are just the next one on the list that would love to honor their country and be able to play a game that they love and get made and make millions of dollars for it. Well, listen, so we need to stop. I, for me, what I've done is I've switched to Saturday football. I mean, I'm really I love college football. And, you know, they're not professionals. They're student athletes. And I've not seen any indications. There might have been a case or two that I've read about, but it's not widespread. And and the dream of a lot of these these young kids that are playing and and they're risking injury every time they take to the field and being a student athlete is it's like having a full time job and having to get grades. It's not an easy life for those for those kids. They're not paid. They can't even get a free T-shirt without the NCAA breathing down their throat. Um, you know, I think they get free sneakers if, if they play basketball. They Maybe they have free cleats and jerseys. I mean, there's very, very strict college rules. You know, I think an argument can be made that these kids deserve a stipend, considering how much money these schools make off of football and all these other sports. But, that's, but they get a free college education. It's a ticket for a lot of kids. Maybe they get into a better school than their grades would otherwise get them into. Um, and they get a better opportunity at life because of their athletic talent. I'm all for that. Um, but I will tell you this. They're playing their guts out. They're playing with all their heart. The level of talent is amazing in college football. And, you know, and, and those that actually make it to the NFL are very few, very few. And the average NFL career is not a long time. And if some of these players, if they want to put this great opportunity for life to, you know, at least if you're doing well in life, you might as well. You know, it's an opportunity to make some money early in life and put that money away so that you and your family have a better opportunity. So I would say it's a smart thing to do. Anyway, Shelly, good call. Thank you. Uh, Paul is in Columbus, Ohio. What's up, Paul? How are you? Hey, Sean. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I've been watching this NFL thing here for the last year or so with Kaepernick and all that stuff. And I was traveling the state of Ohio for my job, and I was driving from Cleveland to Southern Ohio down Interstate 77, and I passed right in front of the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton. 
Yeah. And from the interstate, you can see they had planted about 300 American flags all over the front lawn of the Hall of Fame. I wonder if the NFL is just trying to do damage control. I don't know. I mean, I think the letter that I read to you earlier this week from Roger Goodell is a good indication that that Trump is winning the argument. And I think he's winning the argument as evidenced by low, lower ticket prices, fewer people going to games, fewer sales of jerseys, jersey sales and memorabilia and all that stuff is way down. And advertisers are leaving and and people are just getting fed up. And you see the TV ratings in the tank. I mean, I, I was looking for I used to look forward to watching football, you know. Yeah. I like Sunday football. I like Sunday night football. I like Al Michaels. I think he's one of the greatest broadcasters of all time. Um, I I think most of these guys are great. It's sad to me that they don't understand how profound it is to us and how insulting it is to people that when you consider those that fought under that flag, bled under that flag, died fighting for that flag, so that people have the right to express their views, but just you got to pick the proper forum. Not when the anthem's being played. Not that that ought to be a moment of unity, and we all all ought to agree on it. And if you don't another want to, time, another place. Man, if these teams, you know, I saw poor Jerry Jones saying, "We're not going to let the Cowboys do this anymore." And same with the owner of the Miami Dolphins. And then you got people accusing him of of supporting slavery. <laughs> Plantation owner Jerry. Well, it's funny because last month I was up in this area; those flags weren't there. Well, so that's those interesting. Flags have just been put yeah, there I mean, I think I think you might be right. You know, I, look, I'll tell you right now, it's this has to stop, and it better stop. So this season may even be gone for the NFL. I'm not sure if they'll recover this year because people are just going to be forget it. You know, Donald Trump, he said, you know, I think people have forgotten how patriotic we are. You know, and then you got these. I don't know what has happened to ESPN. ESPN has just gone off the rails. You know, you get to call the president a white supremacist. You don't get suspended for that. Now you've got uh, ESPN host Michael Wilbon literally said Jerry Jones had a plantation mentality. Wow. It's anyway, the Cowboys have met to discuss Jones's issue with that. And some people are saying, you know, they're going to take a knee anyway. Okay, take a knee. And people are going to continue to stop watching and going to games and spending the 800 bucks. And I think a lot of people are doing what I'm doing. I think, you know, I've kind of readjusted my weekend. When I watch football on a Saturday, not Sunday. You know, I did watch a little bit last weekend, but it just it didn't have the same feel for me. And I think a lot of people feel that way. I'm sick of it. Anyway, back to our busy telephones. Uh, Michelle in Colorado. Michelle, how are you? Glad you called. Hey, Sean. I just think my prayers have been answered. I've been wanting this cross-the-borders insurance competitive market for mm-hmm. forever. Forever. Are you it's part of an association? Are you part of an association? No. Nope. You're not. Okay. Well, nope. you know what? Why don't you form one? I said I've been trying. I'm thinking about it. Now, what My kind of do you, do you work on anything? Are you a housewife? Do you work? Do you have a job? What do you do? No, I have my own business. I'm starting a new business after 15 years. Mm-hmm. Good for you. Um, How about the Independent Association of Independent Business Owners? <laughs> and get business owners from all around the country, and you can go negotiate with Blue Cross, Blue Shield, Aetna, United, and all these big health companies and see Absolutely. if you can get a good deal. Absolutely. I am in. I am in. I, I would do, do it. it. I, I would do it on behalf of radio people and TV people. That's what. Let's do it together. I'll do it. Oh, I'm I'll sure the share. people at, at Blue Cross, Blue Shield, United, Aetna are going to love negotiating with Hannity. First thing I'm doing is I'm grabbing Dr. Josh Umber and I'm bringing him into those meetings. 
fantastic. And I just, I've, I'll get a bit. I'll get a better rate. I'll tell you right now. I'm going to get a better rate than anyone else negotiating from the stupid union they make me be a part of. You're absolutely right. It's competition. It's how I run my business. It's common sense. We are being led by a common sense president, and they're floundering. I just picture the left. They're like a bunch of fish. That, that got washed ashore and they're flopping around. Every time they think they're getting a chance to go back in the water, they get a freaking Harvey Weinstein or a... <laughs> yeah, good point. Or, or a Pelosi or a, you know, it, it's just, <laughs> it's if you believe in karma, Sean, it's all coming right now. One giant tidal wave of karma and common sense is running this country and it is frustrating as a business owner, I get it, to see how slow the changes are coming, but they're coming. And as far as Congress jumping on board, they don't get it. It's like, oh, it's the Trump supporters that don't say they're Trump supporters. Mm-hmm. They're still not sure which way to go. And it's all about the vote. So here's my point. Then bye-bye politicians. We don't need you anymore. Mm-hmm. Okay? It's not about politics anymore. It's about the betterment of the country. And if you ever, any of them, ever think for one more second that the american people are stupid look around yeah look around such a good point all right i gotta let it i gotta let it go there 800-941-SEAN is our toll-free telephone number you want to be a part of the program uh let's go back to our busy uh phones here calls have been great today let's say hi to amy is in fort lauderdale florida amy you're on the sean hannity show Uh, good afternoon sean thank you for uh hearing me out my question is this what in the off season have any of the players that are taking the need done to start a real dialogue about what they perceive to be social injustice? You know, everybody's out there talking about, you know, killing police and not standing for the flag of which my significant other spent 33 years and retired as a colonel uh, just a couple of years ago. And, and to see the disrespect that's going on just makes me disgusted. So I really want to know, what are they doing in the offseason? Do you know? I think most athletes, look, if you play football, by the time the season's over, your body's beaten up pretty bad, at least all the players that I've ever talked to over the years. So they spend a lot of time in recovery, meaning physically they got to recover. They're all doing rehab. They're all doing strength training. I mean, they've got a Listen, they, they've got a big job, and it's a full-time job. A lot of them do work in the community. God bless them. They do a lot of good work in the community. and, and I got Exactly. You know, so I, I applaud them for that. Um, I also would tell you that, that, look, it's a very short career. It's short live, but there's a million people that want their jobs. And I just think that at some point they keep doing it. They're going to piss off the fans to the point the fans are just going to slowly, you know, it's the, the viewership was going to erode. Now, there's going to be a point where I guess, you know, there are people going to watch football no matter what, but that audience is going to be lower. And the NFL has been a huge moneymaker. And everyone's going to talk about all the breaks that they get in terms of, oh, we, the taxpayers, end up funding their stadiums. We fund their rebuilds. We fund their new stadiums. We fund their domes that they, they play in. I don't think, I think there's going to be a lot more resistance over the years to paying anything for any of these things. And there could be an argument made that it's good financially for an individual community. So I'll have to wait and see what happens. But I, I got to take a break. 800-941-SEAN, toll-free, telephone number. We got an awesome Hannity tonight on the Fox News Channel. And I think um, one of the more 
well, let's just say important monologues I've ever done about liberal hypocrisy. That's 9 Eastern on Fox. All right, we got Hannity. We got a great show tonight. I am going to lay out the biggest hypocrisy that you've ever seen. And just we're at the tip of the iceberg with these scandals. We'll talk about the new health care bill. We'll go over some of the president's interview last night and all the other news of the day. 9 Eastern tonight on Hannity on the Fox News Channel. Quick break. Right back. We'll continue. That's going to wrap things up for today. Let not your heart be troubled. Hannity, tonight it's new time, 9 o'clock. We have the latest on the great Hollywood Democratic Party media cover-up of the Harvey Weinstein scandal. All the dirty donations of Hillary. We've got Sebastian Gorka among our many guests. Kellyanne Conway weighs in. And also tonight, we'll check in with the one cop that was first shot by this Vegas shooter. He actually saw the guy. That's 9 Eastern tonight on Hannity. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you tonight at 9, back here tomorrow. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's Reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.